is I want to share, as, as, as I have been, many of you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a fairly new pastor. We, I haven't been one of the pastors of this church very long. I have not been a, a resident of this, the Medford area uh, very long, but I've been here long enough to know that in the life of our church, from the hundreds of conversations that I have with, with people who are involved with our church, from the hundreds of conversations that I have with people out in the community, and even, yes, my own life, I know that there are many trials and difficulties and struggles that we face in life. And I'm sure you know this to be true in your own life, right? I mean, we have people all around us who have job difficulties. Perhaps they've lost their job. They're unemployed, looking for for work. We have people, because of that, maybe the the financial uh, constraints are really tightening in on them during this time. I know that people have fractured relationships, some of which may be pushing toward or have ended in divorce. And that is a great, great trial that we sometimes face in life. I know others maybe have just uh, difficulties at, at work or, or have a family member or a friend who has sick, has maybe been just diagnosed with some kind of terminal illness, cancer. You know and I know that, that life is hard. Life is hard. And there's a, there's a story of a, of a professor at a seminary. A seminary is a school where future ministers are trained and uh, young, young men and young women, old men and young women go there to study and to, to be prepared for ministry. And there's a study, uh, a story of a, of a professor who was walking across the campus one day and he saw this uh, young lady who was walking across the campus and, and he could tell that she was really distressed and, and troubled. And so he naturally just said, hey, how are, how are you doing? And she said, I'm doing okay under the circumstances, right? It's, it's a phrase that we often use. I'm sure we've all said plenty of times, how are you doing this week? I'm doing okay under the circumstances. What that really means is the circumstances are pressing in on us and life is not as good as we hoped it to be. And so the professor replied back. He said, under the circumstances, what are you doing under there? Christians should not have to live under the circumstances. And that's what I want to encourage us with this morning. Now, let's, let's just be real and honest here. We know, even Jesus was gracious to tell us that in this life, in this world, John 16, you will have trouble, right? So we know that there's going to be trouble in life. The question is not whether or not we will have trouble. The question is, how will we respond when trouble comes knocking at our door. And here's the hope of, of the gospel and the beauty of, of, of knowing God and having a, a relationship with, with the God of the universe, the God who made us, is that we can respond rightly during our trials and difficulties and greatest challenges of life. And we can actually rise above the circumstances and face them with great grace and strength. And so here's the the primary encouragement I want to give us from Habakkuk 3. We're going to look at the last four verses of the book, and that is this, that we can rise above the circumstances through an ultra-clear vision of God. 
Okay? Rise above the circumstances through an ultra clear vision of God. And, and I believe our passage, as we roll through these last four verses in Habakkuk 3, 16 through 19, they're going to give us four ways that we can rise above the circumstances through having this ultra clear vision of God. The first one is this, that we can rise above the circumstances by trembling before the presence of God by trembling before the presence of God. Let, let me catch you up to speed here because like any good story and any good book, you can't open up to the last chapter, the last few paragraphs and really understand all that has just taken place in the book, right? We need the context. So let me give you a bit of the context of what's going on in this little three chapter uh, prophecy that we know as Habakkuk. See, Habakkuk was a prophet. It just means he was a spokesperson for God. He, he not only, uh, prophets not only, most of them we think prophecy, we think they're always foretelling future events, but the primary responsibility of a prophet was just to speak the truth of God and to call people to follow God, much like pastors today. And so Habakkuk was a prophet who prophesied in a perilous time for the people of Israel and Judah. Why is that? Well, they were a people who had rampant immorality going on among them, and they were by and large a people who had forsaken their God. And so that was the, the context. That was his current plight. But added to that, as he sees all the injustice going on around him, he comes to God. He says, God, man, what's up with all this? Is it ever going to change? And, and Habakkuk's situation goes from bad to worse because God says, look, I'm going to do something in your day that you're not even going to believe. And most of the time we kind of rip that verse out of context and say it's like this great thing that's going to happen for the people of God. Well, in Habakkuk 1.5, God is actually saying, hey, I'm going to do something that you wouldn't believe. I'm going to use a people that are more wicked than you to bring judgment on your people. I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians to come in and to basically run through your country. And, and, and God's purposes and all that was to draw his people back. So the, 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 the situation went from bad to worse for Habakkuk. And, and he, he actually, in a very honest way, look back in chapter one, verse two. You can just flip back a page. You can see here very early in the book, he just says this, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? and you will not hear. So Habakkuk expresses these very raw emotions to God. He, he opens his heart up. He expresses a complaint and even maybe doubt as, God, I know you're good, but you don't seem so good. This doesn't seem to add up to me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever just simply been going through it, whether it's something going on with a relationship, work, family, sickness, you name it, it just doesn't add up. How could God allow this thing to happen to me, to my friend, to my family? Doesn't God care? If God cares, isn't he powerful enough to do something about it? And these questions swirl in our minds and in our hearts. I know this has been the case for our family over the past couple of years. Some of you know that my father-in-law passed away a little more than a year ago to, to brain cancer. And these questions swirled around in our house. God, why? Why would you let something so horrific happen to such a good person, someone who loves you and is committed to following you? God, how long? How long until you reverse this illness and bring healing to his body? How long? 
Life is hard. We have real questions. We have real doubts at times. And let me encourage you here this morning. Look, God, this is the good thing about God. God is big enough to handle any of our questions. He wants us to come to him even in our complaint and our doubt. And when we are in that place where we're wrestling like Habakkuk, when we're struggling and questioning, here's the encouragement to keep on seeking God. Keep on listening to God. Keep on asking God to, 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 for you to know him more and more and more. Because thankfully, that's where Habakkuk stayed. He didn't move away from God. He just kept talking to God and asking God to give some answers. And in chapter two, what happens is, is God basically says, hey, Habakkuk, hang on just a moment. Justice will be served. All right, justice will be served, but you need to, the righteous will live by faith, walk by faith. And that brings us into chapter three, where we have this great prayer of Habakkuk, where he uh, presents this really bold, audacious request to God in verse two, and then verse three, we have this vision of God that opens up for him. Look, look at verse two of chapter three, again, just to make sure we understand what's going on here in Habakkuk. He, he says this, it's so, so beautiful. He says, O Lord, I have heard of the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So, so, so here in verse two, Habakkuk expresses this bold prayer to God. He says, I've heard the report of you. The NIV says, I have heard of your fame. And then he puts this request before him. He says, God, would you revive your work? Would you make it known? And even in your judgment, in your wrath, would you remember mercy? Listen, that is a great way for us to pray. Revive your work, make it known, even in your judgment, because God, I know you're holy and you're just and you have to, to judge. But even as you judge, would you remember mercy and be gracious and merciful to us? And God is faithful to do so. And when Habakkuk prays this prayer, a vision of God opens up like no other. And I want to tell you this morning, I can't state this in emphatic enough terms. There is nothing more important in our life than our vision of God. Our deepest need is to have a clear vision of God. I love what J.I. Packer says in his book, Knowing God. It's on our resource table. Listen to what he says. He says, disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. So what happens here in Habakkuk 3 is that we have this vision of God that takes off the blindfold and provides a sense of direction and understanding for life. So, so what is the argument here? The argument is if you want to make it through the greatest trials and sorrows and difficulties of your life, all of the suffering that either you may be experiencing now or because we live in this world that's troubled, you probably one day will run into What's going to get you through? It is a clear vision of God. 
So who is this God that we find in Habakkuk 3? Well, we're not going to read all these verses, but I can tell you that in verse 3, it speaks of a God whose splendor covers the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. Verse 4, it says that, that rays of light flash from his hand and yet his power is veiled. Let me translate that for you. In other words, God is so powerful that he has to just kind of give previews and glimpses of how powerful he is. Otherwise, it would simply overwhelm us. This is how great God is. His ways are eternal, verse 6. He is a God who executes justice on his adversary and works salvation for his people, verses 7 through 15. And all of that, okay, that's the book of Habakkuk, except for four verses in a few minutes, all right? All of that leads Habakkuk to this clear vision of God and helps him respond and rise above the circumstances by responding properly. So how does he respond? Well, as we said, first, he, he responds by trembling in the presence of God. Look in verse 16. This is the, the, the primary passage we're studying. He says, in light of all this, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. I mean, can you imagine having a vision of God like this? The sovereign, omnipotent, all-powerful God. Habakkuk had this clear vision. He was ushered into the, to the greatness of God to get a glimpse of his glory. And it says that he was physically affected. I mean, have you ever been in the presence of, of greatness? Now, I know some of the spouses are like nudging their their spouse, right? Like you're in the presence of greatness every day, right? Maybe, maybe that's what you're thinking. Uh, but, but, but have you ever, you know, kind of beyond that? Have you ever been? In, I remember when I was a little kid, I love basketball. Many of you know that. So when I, when I got to meet some of my heroes, some of, some of the, the great athletes that went on to play in the NBA, I can remember like my knees would actually, you know, kind of knock as I was about to get to shake their hand and try to say hello if I could even get it out, right? It's kind of the natural response in the presence of greatness, someone that, that, that maybe uh, you look up to or has so much more clout maybe than, than you and responsibility and greatness. And this should be how we respond when we see God clearly, right? I mean, in your daily pursuit of God, hopefully that's something that's going on for you, in your daily pursuit of God, when you come in on Sundays to worship, we worship together, are we aware that God is great and glorious and awesome and majestic He's king, and that while, yes, we can enter in his presence with confidence because of Christ, and we can enjoy being in his presence, that we also should have this reverent awe and humility before him because of how great he is. Listen, if you want to make it through suffering, if you want to rise above the circumstances, a clear vision of God and who he is will help us put us in our proper place and will tremble before him as Habakkuk does here in verse 16. But then number two, we can not only rise above the circumstances by trembling in the presence of God, but we can rise above the circumstances by trusting in the sovereignty of God. 
let's finish out verse 16. You say, where is this trust in, in God's sovereignty? Well, we'll look back in verse 16. After he says, my, my legs tremble beneath, beneath me, he goes on to say, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. You see, Habakkuk here says, look, even in the midst of all this, and even in the midst of the impending destruction that will befall our nation, I know because God reigns and he's on his throne and he's all powerful and he is just and loving and even forgiving when we blow it. He says, I'm gonna wait on him. I'm gonna trust in him. He says, I will wait quietly for God to do his work and perform justice among us. See, here, here's the deal, all right? When, when your faith is tested, there's one of two responses, right? We will either run from God, right? And we will let those questions get the best of us where we either throw our arms out saying, God, why? And we just stay in that place to where we move further and further away from God. Or at times we will throw our fist up at God and want to contend with him as if he is not God and he is not wisest and as if he doesn't know best. So we will either run from God or we will run to God. And when we exercise faith, it is us running to God in the midst of our difficulty and sorrow. This word wait here in verse 16 is a troubling word for us, right? Who of us enjoys waiting on what we want to happen? I mean, it doesn't matter if it's you know, like the grocery line or the interstate or waiting on that perfect you know, job or spouse or you fill in the blank. We're not always good at waiting, right? We're not always patient people. And this certainly can be true in times of, of trial and suffering. And yet, this is the proper response. And we can wait. How can we wait? Because we know that God is in perfect control. That, that nothing happens in our life of, of which he is unaware. He is sovereign. He is king over everything. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And he reigns over all of our circumstances. And he not only reigns above them, but he walks with us through them. And so maybe... If you're going through it right now, you just need to hear Isaiah 30, verse 15. It says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. It may seem like your world and this world is spinning out of control, but listen, God is king and sovereign over everything in our lives and he will give us the strength to walk through the difficulty. So let's exercise faith in him and trust in him and wait for him to take care of us during those difficulties. Listen, here's the beautiful thing, all right? What, what the Bible calls us to, what I'm encouraging us to today is faith in 
God. All right? See, listen to this. Your faith is as good as the one you put your faith in. You got that? So I'm not asking you to put your faith in me this morning. I'm not asking you to put your faith in someone next to you, a friend, a family member, who inevitably at some point will let you down. I'm encouraging us to put our faith in God, in his character, in his work, in the ones whose promises never, ever, ever fail. They always come to pass. Joshua 23, verse 15. And so it's, it's, it's so crucial that we get one of the, the central verses of this book, Habakkuk 2.4. God tells Habakkuk, look, the righteous will live by faith. Even when it doesn't all add up, the righteous will live by faith. Faith is the key for us to know God, to live for God, to walk with God as we journey through life. And so if you are experiencing difficult circumstances, know that you can rise above them by trusting in the sovereignty of God. Number three, you can rise above the circumstances by rejoicing in the goodness of God. We, we definitely get a shift in tone here in verses 17 and 18. Look at what Habakkuk does here. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Do you see the stark contrast here of chapter one, verse two, where he is saying, oh Lord, how long? Where are you, God? Do you not care, God? When are you gonna change things, God? To, hey God, even if things don't change, even if we have to wait for it, I am still gonna rejoice in you and praise you because you are worthy of it. Such a difference there. And how can, how can he get there? Well, it's, it says G. Campbell Morgan, a great British pastor from the 19th century, excuse me, the 20th century says, you have the quote here for you. He said this, our joy is proportioned to our trust and our trust is proportioned to our knowledge of God. You got that? Our joy is proportioned to our trust and our trust is proportioned to our knowledge of God. So if we know this great God, who is worthy of our trust, then we can have joy even in the midst of great difficulty. You see, there, 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 are, there is the temptation for us to, to be swayed by our circumstances, right? I mean, just if you, if you don't see this in your life, just let me help you out. This is kind of how we operate as human beings. Man, we have Difficult circumstances press in on us and it causes us to respond in a certain way where we just lose our joy and we lose our satisfaction in life. Why? Because our circumstances have changed around us. Someone said something to us that we didn't like. Someone got on our nerves. Something happened that, that, that caused disruption to our life. And so these circumstances have the potential to kill our joy to steal our joy. Listen, if we place our joy in circumstances, we're gonna be disappointed, right? Why is that? Because our circumstances are constantly changing. But if we 
find our joy in God. In this God who never changes, then we can rise above the circumstances by finding our joy in him. Verse 17 paints such a a bleak picture of the external circumstances, right? I mean, he says, look, the, the trees are not producing fruit, nor are the vines. The olive produce has failed. The fields are yielding no fruit. The flock is cut off. There are no herd in the stalls. Basically, the economic rug has just been pulled out from under their feet. I mean, how, how would we expect him to respond? I mean, when the car won't start, right? When there's no food in the fridge, when you're just overdrafted your checking account, and now you not only don't have any money, but you owe the bank money because you overdrafted on your account. I mean, when it's all going down like that, could, could you still have contentment? and satisfaction, and joy in life? Listen, the radical answer of the Bible is that because God is so good and because Jesus is so satisfying that we can have joy no matter what the circumstance. I hope you know God in that way. I hope you've tasted how great he is and how satisfying he is that you can place your hope in God and find joy in God to the point where it certainly transcends your circumstances. That is what Habakkuk is calling us to this morning. And then, and then finally, here's the last encouragement for us. To rise above the circumstances by finding strength in the power of God. I hope you caught the rhythm of this text because it's, it's too important for us to miss this morning, okay? Verse 16, when he says, I hear my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters into my bones, okay? In light of who God is and, and all this destruction that is coming their way, what does he say? Yet I will quietly wait. Verse 17, though there is nothing for us, though everything is being taken away from us, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And so Habakkuk is faced with these trying circumstances. He is staring in the face of suffering. And he fights back with faith. And how does he he do that? Like, how can we do that? In a day in, day out, week in, week out basis, when your circumstances, listen, I am not going to stand here this morning and tell you like some pastors, I'm not trying to hate, I'm just telling the truth. Some pastors are going to tell you, man, your, your circumstances will change. They're going to change. Just have enough faith. It's going to change. Just give enough money. It'll change. I'm not going to tell you that. But I am going to tell you that like Habakkuk, God, look at verse 19. God, the Lord, is my strength. Even in the midst of our greatest suffering and trial, God is our strength. God doesn't always change our circumstances. Did you you ever hear the story of Jesus? You know, the, the, the one who like prayed in the garden before he was crucified and he said, 
Father, if you will, take this cup from me. He experienced greater suffering than we could ever imagine. We see this in Paul, 2 Corinthians 12. Hey, I've got this thorn in my side, God. I've pleaded with you at least three times here. Would you change it? Would you take it out? I'm tired of dealing with this. I'd really like to move past this. And what does God say to Paul? He says, look, my, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, look, when I, when I learned that, I found out that when I am weak, then I am strong. And so when you're going through it, know that God is our strength. Depend on him. Rely on him. Walk in faith, knowing that he will carry you through. And this is further emphasized where Habakkuk said, he makes, verse 19, he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes my, me tread on high places. So here is the transformation for Habakkuk. And I want to just encourage us as we, as we move toward wrapping up our time in the word. Listen, when you are faced with this type of, of difficulty and, and suffering in life, allow it to push you to God. Run to God in prayer. Knock on the door of heaven. Go to him in his word. Cling to his promises. I love Romans 8, verses 31 and 32. We sang part of verse 31 in uh, one of our songs earlier. What does is, what is Paul write there in Romans 8? He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so when the shadows of difficulty and trial fall on our lives, we need to rest in the shadow of the cross of Christ. Do you see Paul's logic? Man, if God loved us enough to send Jesus to die in our place that we might have life in him, if we would look to him and believe, then surely he will not forsake us when life is really difficult. And added to that, listen, this is so good, all right? It's not just the cross, it's the shadow of the empty tomb. This is the answer for our suffering. Not only the cross, but the resurrection of Christ. Why? Because the resurrection of Christ teaches us that there is something so much more than this life, something that we all long for. One day, God will restore everything. He will make all things new, including us. And this is the hope that we have in God and in the gospel. So it's my prayer that you know this great God today, that you would see him for who he is and have such a clear vision of him and that you would have embraced the cross of Christ and believed on him as Lord, believed that he was raised from the dead that we might have life. If you've never done that, man, there's no better time than today to just take that step of faith and say, you know what, I'm in, I need Christ. I need to have this relationship restored because listen, when you have that relationship with Christ, you have the resources to rise above the circumstances of anything that life throws 
your way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus and his words in John 16, 33, that though we have trouble in this world, he didn't stop there, but he finished and said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so God, it is, it is our prayer today that, God, I know that, that many people in this room are just going through some difficulty right now going through some trial, they're worried, they're stressed out, they're not sure how things are gonna turn out. And so, Father, would you comfort them with your truth? Would you help them to look to you in faith, believing that you will walk with them and you will give them the necessary strength to make it through, and not only make it through, but to thrive each day. God, we pray that as a church family, we would help one another through those trials and difficulties and that we would continue to turn to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.